Good morning, church family. So glad to see you on this chilly morning. Name is Branziski, the lead pastor here. And I, I don't know about you, but this morning was such a huge blessing to me to be able to see how God is fulfilling his purpose and his plan, not just for our church, but for all churches as he is reaching people for Christ, as he's making more and more disciples. It's been our heartbeat as a church to help all, all people to meet, know, and follow Jesus. And we got to see this in a multi-generational picture. It's absolutely beautiful. And I love that part of our vision here at Austin Oaks Church is to see the emerging generation to become captivated with Jesus. And it's motivated and inspired by Judges 2.10 that is a very grim and very sad image that after Joshua and his descendants passed, there arose another generation that did not know the Lord or the works of the Lord. And I love that our church stood up and said, not on our watch. We are a multi-generational church that strives to be simply about Jesus and that's why we together are going to do all that we can to help all people to meet, know, and follow Jesus because he's the one that we're all looking for. He's the one that we're all longing for, and he is the one who truly is joy. He is the one where we can fully experience love and know peace and hope. It all begins with him, it unfolds with him, and it ends with him for all time. Now, I'm not sure if you've noticed or not, it's Christmas season. Now, I'm a Christmas baby, so I super love this season. And um, the Ziski clan, our household, we love Christmas to the degree, to the degree that this year was probably the first year where we actually felt the tension of the debate, when does this season start? Right? And you know what I'm talking about? Like, 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 I'm totally the guy, like, you cannot play Christmas music until after Thanksgiving, right? For some reason, my kids, they think, no, no, once Halloween passes, game on. And I'm like, no, you, you don't follow consumerism because I know every store puts Christmas stuff out in July. I get it, right? Like, no, Christmas season starts after Thanksgiving, end point, match, game on, that's it. But for us to truly appreciate the season, we have to appreciate the heart of the season, which is a season of Advent. And Advent simply means arrival. And it's important for us, especially now, as we're part of the church, we can already make the connection, oh yeah, it's the arrival of Jesus. But we need to remember what that arrival meant. But at the same time, we have to try to feel the angst that's implicit with the coming of something, the arrival of something of waiting, longing, and looking. Since Advent means arrival, this season is also a season of waiting. And this season of waiting actually began all the way back when darkness first invaded this earth. It's the waiting for all of the wrongs and all of the injustices, all of the evil, the hopelessness, all the brokenness, the depression, and all of the grief, and the loss of innocence. It's a waiting for all of that to be made right, for it to be made whole. And the Bible calls that shalom. Shalom. 
were waiting for this arrival, for this longing to be made fulfilled. It's been happening for thousands of years. And even today, we are still waiting and longing for the arrival of things to be made right. Not just in our own lives, and yes, not also between relationships, but in this world. You watch the news, you see things, you see evil, you read these stories, and it just makes you sick. And especially when we know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, we're like, where is it? It's a waiting it's a tension. But God promised that one will come who is the fulfillment of all of this longing. In fact, the first Christmas promise is found in Genesis chapter 3 when, she, or when God speaks to the serpent that deceived Adam and Eve into sinning. He said, he will crush your head. That's a Christmas promise. So for thousands of years... Humanity's been waiting for the one to crush the head of the serpent. But not only that, we see these promises being prophesied in the Old Testament 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus in Isaiah 9. Speaking of humanity, but really in this context, the nation of Israel, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness, but yet in their context, that is not so. It's an advent. It's an arrival of something to come. Wait for it to come. You've enlarged the nation and creates this joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time, as they rejoice when dividing the spoils. You shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod of, on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For to us, a child will be born, a son will be given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And his dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. But not yet. Wait. Shortly after this, they would go into exile. Micah writing in the context of their exile, Micah 5, 2, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. In other words, from the very beginning of all things, if we could even try to grasp it. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned there will be a longing, a hoping, a tension until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of the ruler's brothers will return to the people of Israel and he will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord. In the majestic name of the Lord his God, they will live securely for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. But not yet. 700 years from now. Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, 
God set forth his son to be born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption of sons. And then we see this beautiful picture in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus declaring to himself for all time to the church in persecution, in darkness, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Lord, we pray that in this season of Advent, that we can be reminded of something so clear, that you see us in our waiting. You see us in our longing. You haven't forgotten. Your promises don't fall to the ground, void. They fulfill exactly what you've intended them to do. You always come right on time. So Lord, I pray that in this time together, that we would place our longing, we would place our hoping all in you. Jesus, would you open our eyes through the power of your Holy Spirit to see this morning the beauty of peace. Help us to understand what that peace is now and yet how we are still to wait for this final consummation of peace that is not yet. So, Lord, would you speak to our hearts in Christ's name? Amen. Chaos, carnage, catastrophe, those were some of the descriptive words used by survivors of World War I. The most devastating war that the world has ever seen and has yet to have seen. In total, 70 million soldiers were deployed. 70 million. And out of that 70 million, roughly about 9 million of those soldiers died. The war lasted for a little more than four years, and none of them actually thought the war would last more than a few months. You see, the war was fought in trenches. It was gruesome battle, trench warfare. And they came up with this name for the land that would be in between the two trenches. And they called it no man's land because it was just complete devastation. Mortar shells and gunfire, nothing survived in no man's land. You don't want to be found in that place. In fact, when your like, commander would say, we need to advance, and as a soldier, fear and terror would grip you because you know that as you come out of your trenches, you are exposing yourself to enemy fire. You are extremely vulnerable, and the chances of getting shot are really, really high. The only other option you have is to not obey the command or maybe to retreat and face court-martial, which would probably result in your own death. But something significant happened, and some of you know the story, that on Christmas Eve of 1914, something beautiful on the Western Front, where there was 450 miles of soldiers entrenched in war, which was dubbed the literal hell on earth, something miraculous happened. In the haze of the lingering smoke from mortar shells and gunfire, the British troops could hear in the distance singing. They could hear Germans singing in their native tongue. And the British eventually recognized that they're singing Christmas carols. And the next thing you know, they started to sing along in their native tongue. 
In, a, in the distance, it's reported that some of the soldiers from the British line could see Christmas trees slowly coming out of the trenches that were decorated. And out of nowhere, soldiers began to emerge out of the trenches, and they had to take an act of trust to walk into no man's land to meet each other. And that's exactly what they did. On that Christmas Eve, it was as if the veil of heaven was opened and they got to see and to hear again the angels singing glory to God on high, on earth, peace and goodwill to men. They got to experience the supernatural peace for about two hours. They exchanged gifts with each other. And out of nowhere, a pickup soccer game happened between Germans and the French and the English. Just two hours prior, enemies. But in this moment, something about the heart of Christmas brought about a supernatural peace. But it wasn't to last, because sooner or later, they had to go back to their trenches and commence fighting. That moment in history still stands to this day as something that we still long for now. Some form of supernatural peace where we can truly trust each other and trust ourselves and even, dare I say, trust God to move into no man's land, to be completely vulnerable and exposed to say, here I am, let's relate. The war continued, and yes, that war eventually ended to some sort of peace treaty, but another one was brewing. Another season of waiting, and another season of waiting for the arrival of another peace treaty of World War II, and another war, and more peace, and another war, and another peace. On and on and on we go. And even today, all you got to do is pull up whatever news channel of your choice, and there it is. We still long for shalom piecing together the broken pieces. And this is what Advent is driving home. There was an arrival of one who is peace, who brought peace on earth, where made peace possible, but yet we don't always fully experience the fullness of that peace. This is a season of receiving and remembering the joy of God remembering his love for us and remembering what he extended to us and realizing that the hope he gives us is not an ideal, but it's an anchor in our soul. Peace is a word that we hear a lot in this season and rightly so, we should hear it a lot. But the problem is, is we don't fully understand what peace is. In fact, if we were to be honest, like, we think of peace as something like the removal of our absence of conflict. And we think about peace only in the temporal terms. But there's so much more to life. There's so much more than the here and now. There's more than what we can see and what we can sense and what we hear. Life is eternal. It's not temporal. And every now and then, God allows us to see behind the veil what is true. There's a spiritual reality at play. Christmas, the arrival of Emmanuel, is one of the most beautiful pictures, one of the most beautiful realities of God pulling back the curtain and showing us what is. 
for all time. Peace. His arrival, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension brought about the possibility of peace. But what does that mean? Some thousand years ago was the first Christmas promise, crushing the head of the dragon. For you, a son is given, a child is born. 700 years, this prophecy, people waiting, longing, prince of peace. He's going to take on the government, put it on his shoulders, and it's going to increase in influence as he sets up his reign and rule over time. Okay, now we're exiled. 550 years from the exile to the birth of Christ. And then there's 400 years of silence from God where God doesn't say a word. Waiting, longing, questioning, feeling that, God, where are you? Sitting in darkness. Some of you right now are sitting in that darkness, not sure what the future holds. Maybe right now you've been waiting, asking, longing for something, and it's been some time, and you find yourself asking maybe the same questions that the people of God were asking. Where is he? Has he forsaken us? Has he forgotten us? Is he good? Was this all a lie? What's the point? How will it turn out? It's fascinating. When you look at the gospel of Matthew, he starts out with the genealogy of Jesus. And at, towards the end, he starts talking about how from, you know, the uh, uh, birth of Abraham to David was 14 generations. From Abraham to the exile was 14 generations. And from the exile to the birth of Christ was 14 generations. And you want to go, Matthew, why did you say that? Matthew is trying to portray this picture that every generation and every season and everything is movement to when God is going to fulfill his promise for all time. Jesus coming in the fullness of time. God sees us. Every generation always points to Jesus. 2,000 years ago, light came into this dark world. And the angels were waiting and longing for that time to come. They had to come. They were sent to shepherds, the least likely to hear the news. And then this choir of angels shows up and they can't contain themselves. And we see this in Luke, which we know all so well. And don't get too familiar with it. Try to hear it for the first time. Glory to God in the highest. Be a shepherd for a moment. Feel forgotten for a moment. Some of us know that one really well. And angels are coming. On earth, peace. They're occupied by Rome. These shepherds don't even have a chance to worship. On earth, peace and goodwill to men. This day, which was a real day in history, in Bethlehem, a real city in the real world is born to you a savior who took away our guilt, who's the Christ, the consolation of Israel, who fulfills all of our hopes. He's the Lord, the Prince of Peace. He's the one who's gonna defeat all of our enemies. Peace on earth has come. 
We can't think of peace as peace treaties. We can't think of peace as something simply as the absence of war or the absence of conflict or the absence of animosity or irritations or struggles. And yes, peace is when kids do finally fall asleep at night. Amen, parents. Shalom, baby, right? Like, it's like for real. Sorry. That is peace, but it's not the Christmas peace. This peace on earth that was brought by Jesus coming is much more, so much more. This peace speaks of the presence of being something better than the absence of. It's shalom. And shalom is wholeness, completeness. Think of a box of, of puzzle pieces and because they're all pieced together, it's all fractured, that is not having shalom. But when all of those pieces are put together, you see the full picture, it's complete, it's whole, it's shalom. The Prince of Peace came to bring shalom because you and I, we are broken, we are fractured, we are not complete, we are not whole. And come on, we know that all too well. Our relationships are broken and fractured and we have moments and seasons that feel like we're great and whole and then you leave the towel on the bathroom floor. We get moments and glimpses, but we know we're not whole. And not only that, we instinctively fear God because we have actually broken and rebelled against that relationship. One has to come in order to restore it. John 14, Jesus says to his disciples, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. My peace isn't what the world gives. They give temporal and Band-Aid solutions, that's the best it has. My peace is eternal. My peace is shalom. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away. I will come to you again. Wait, 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 wait Jesus, we've been waiting for you. We've been longing for you. We haven't heard from God for 400 years. And now you're telling us you're going to leave again. The absence of your presence is not peace. How can my heart not be troubled? I'm going away and I'm going to come again. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. You would have understood this. Now I'm telling you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe you'll get this later. I will no longer talk with you much longer. The ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father's commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Hey, guys. The ruler of this world, Satan, he's coming for me and it's going to look like he wins. It's going to look like none of these promises that I'm saying is being fulfilled to me will happen. But he doesn't have any hold on me. Because his victory is actually his defeat. I'm going to enter into the belly of the beast. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. Because I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried for three days, and I'm going to resurrect again. And because of that, you're going to be able to be justified. 
You're going to be able to claim my righteousness as your own. I'm going to take all of your sin. And what I'm going to give you in exchange for free is my righteousness. Just trust on me. And as you do that, guess what? You're going to be made new. You're going to have a new creation. You're going to be made alive in me. And yet you're going to start to feel the newness of the spirit. But because it's still ongoing and still because it's not going to be fully complete yet, you're going to feel this tension of now and not yet. My peace I give you. I'm going to give you the peace with God. I'm going to make it possible for that to happen for reconciliation, for shalom, wholeness, all of the pieces being put together so that your relationship with God is now reconciled so that your own fractured, fractured self, your own broken self could be made whole so you could have shalom. So now as you experience that, you go into this world and you proclaim a message of reconciliation because I have come, I am the Prince of Peace, I am peace. Now you tell people about that, that peace with God is possible, but they need to have the peace of God, which is by faith. What a gift of Christmas, isn't it? He takes all of our garbage, all of our sin. He takes the wages that we have earned, which is eternal death, took it on himself, allowed his body to be completely broken in exchange for joy, love, peace, and a hope that will never disappoint. No kidding, the angel said, peace on earth. Because the peace on earth was really a declaration that Jesus is born. It's not that there's going to be no more war, no more suffering, no more pain, no more loneliness, no more sorrow. That's not what the angels were declaring. They were declaring peace on earth. God in the flesh has come, and he's born in a manger. Peace has come, and goodwill to men on whom his favor rests, to those who will receive him by faith will experience this. Glory to God. And yes, pain, suffering, sorrow, confusion, angst, still is present. But because it's present doesn't mean that peace is not possible. Jesus came in a very dark time the puppet king Herod was so threatened by the announcement of this new king that he ordered every boy under two years old to be executed. Darkness. Jesus felt darkness. He suffered. He was oppressed. He felt injustice. He knows it all. In fact, he learned obedience through what he suffered. He never said that suffering wasn't going to be part of the deal. He just said, my peace, I leave you. 
Do not forget this. And then we get these glimpses in the scriptures like Revelation. We see the heart of Revelation was God trying to bring a message of peace and hope and rest to a persecuted church. So he pulls the curtain back so that the church can see the reality. Even though they're suffering and being executed and martyred and being split apart from families and losing their livelihoods, God's like, you can still have peace because I have won. Look at the reality. And he splits the curtain back. And we hear Jesus saying, I am the one, the alpha, the omega. We see in Revelation 4, this picture of a throne. And who is on that throne? Jesus. One that looks like the lamb slaughtered. And before Jesus is like a sea that's like glass. And the imagery is profound because the sea in the, in the Bible is equated to evil. And before the throne is the sea and it's glass. Jesus walked on the water showing the world I am over this. It has no hold on me. He speaks a word to the raging sea, be still. It has to stop. So yes, there isn't any world peace, but we are now still waiting for the advent of our coming king and prince of peace to establish his kingdom to eradicate evil and injustice for all time. For to us, a son is given. A child is born. And his name is Prince of Peace. We can trust in that because he came and he died. You see, Jesus is standing in no man's land. He knows we're entrenched, battling as it were. He came in full vulnerability, take the initiative saying, I'm here but you have to meet me here. That's what it means to surrender to Jesus. Get out of your trench. Dare to risk to be exposed, to be vulnerable, and to give him your life. Because there on no man's land is where Jesus is going to exchange a gift with you if you're willing to give him your life. Jesus is our peace. Colossians chapter one. I'm gonna end with this. He is the image, the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all of the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile 
shalom to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This Advent, remember that the manger that Jesus was laid in as a baby is intimately connected to the cross. That's why he's our peace. So Lord, I pray that this morning that as we slow down our hearts and our minds, Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize the areas or maybe where we are full of anxiety and worry. Maybe it's through a political lens. And I know it's all too easy for humanity to place hope in some leader, some government that will give an illusion of peace. And we pray for peace, but we know it's temporary. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room who's feeling broken and fractured personally. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's guilt and shame from things done in the past. Maybe it's a financial burden that they're keeping in secret. I don't know what it is, Lord, but you do. And I pray that you would speak to their heart and remind them that you so loved the world that your Father gave you as the greatest gift. You came to not condemn the world, but to save the world. That those who would receive you would become children of God. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room where maybe there's fractured relationships. Maybe it's between um, husband and wife. And, and, and maybe it's teetering on the edge of divorce. God, I pray for shalom. God, I pray that you would take the broken pieces and put it back together in wholeness. I pray for broken relationships in family. And, and that's why sometimes this season is so hard. It doesn't feel peaceful because of these broken relationships. Maybe it's because of things that are deeply entrenched in our hearts, deep hurts and wounds. Father, I pray for your shalom, your healing and reconciling power. Lord, I pray that this morning that if there's anybody here who needs to meet you in no man's land, trust on you for life, for the forgiveness of sin, for peace, that they would just simply come and confess that they have strived and struggled to find peace in their own lives, going after this or that, that they would confess that they know they have rebelled against you, they have sinned, and that in their heart they can look at you in the eye and dare say, I trust that you love me. Here's my life. I need your forgiveness. And that they would feel your loving arms wrap around them that they would experience the transformation of new life, 
the breaking of chains and bondage, shalom in a way they've never understood, that they would experience your joy even now, Lord. So Father, I pray that you would give us a moment together as a church that you would pull back the curtain. Let us see what is. Give us eyes of faith. Give us ears to hear the angelic songs. We praise in Christ's name. Amen.